0: It is Tuesday, aka Joe Allen Appreciation Day. You are listening mm. to the front three with me, Adam Boltwood, Bowie McBuison. <laughs> uh, yes, I am back. And Lawrence McKenna. I think he was saying Boo Earns. Oh, yes. my mistake. My yes. mistake. Uh, mm. How are we, gentlemen? Better than Ukraine. Yes, mm. poor old Ukraine. What a night, guys. What a night in the Euros. The biggest result has to be Croatia (laughs) beating Spain, guys, leaving Spain on the route of death. They've got Italy now in the round of 16, and it's all because, like Roy Hodgson, they gamble. Lots of changes. Oh, no, wait. He played his strongest 11. Still (laughs) didn't work out, Dave. What happened? Well, I do Luka Modric wasn't even playing for, uh, for Croatia. It was mental. But and Luka yeah, you, you're Modric right. they... still
1: did have an influence on the game, though, didn't he? Yeah, from did the touchline. Did you see that? the thing yeah, which was influenced? So, uh, did you see, you know when Ramos was taking the penalty, which most people thought wasn't a penalty anyway, but mm. when he was taking the penalty, uh, one of the players is looking over to the sideline, he's looking over to the bench, and he's taking instruction as to which way to dive, then from Luka Modric. Then runs over to the goalkeeper, whispers in the goalkeeper's ear, and the goalkeeper happens to save Sergio Ramos's penalty.
2: <laughs> See from about a, a foot away penalty. from the ball.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't have been a penalty. Why was Ramos taking it? The goalkeeper's three yards off his line. Why why was Ramos taking that penalty? I can understand. He's not he's obviously not a renowned penalty taker, is he? Confidence. Uh, I mean uh, yeah and the thing is he also
1: has blemishes on his record doesn't he it's not like he's a sort of perfect well (laughs) well, I mean I suppose he wants to sort of redeem himself but that's two Real Madrid players that have missed it now in the tournament
0: did Croatia deserve to win Dave that's what I want to know yeah, hundred thousand
3: million percent. They were excellent tonight. I thought they they played very well. I think the the change bringing the Lito off was very silly. The only player giving Spain some natural width, I and mean, as soon as he went off, Spain went so narrow. They were getting they needed to make a change at that point. Croatia had just sort of taken the initiative in the game He needed to do something but I felt that was the wrong mistake because it just gave um, Croatia you know more confidence going forward They, um, the fullbacks could get further forward and attack but it was just a really good performance from Croatia all round. even Perisic was absolutely fantastic in the game Phenom- phenomenal performance the goal and the assist but he was just so good at um, attacking Spain how they don't like it you know dribbling at them going at them going left going right going inside going outside just a really good performance I was quite um, impressed by Pe- uh, f- is it Pager the- the side, Faze whatever you call him. P J C A C A. Um he was excellent yep. with the ball at his feet <laughs> as well, you know. But yeah, defensively was really good. Tracked back against uh, Jordi Alba, which is a, a pretty mean feat considering how good he is going forward. But it just felt like a, a very workmanlike Croatian performance with with something at the end of it. I'm not a massive fan of Mario Mandzukic, and I think um, today Kalanic is, is, is put himself forward there. You know, he also got a goal and assist in the game. He scored the, the goal that he scored to equalise was brilliant, lovely outside of the foot finish from a from a, a Perisic cross. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of questions now uh, for Mario Mandzukic to get back into that side
0: mm, a lot of question marks for Spain as well Lawrence because I mean just a few days ago we were talking about how they took it up a gear be admittedly you know a turkey team who aren't aren't well beaters in and of themselves mm. but still we we're talking about the Spain team as being the best team we've seen in the tournament so far now they're on the route of death
1: well they definitely are on the route of death it sounds like you're on the route of death there Adam with your washing machine that's just,
0: that's just the washing machine man. yeah
1: But, I mean, in many ways, they've been put in the tumble dryer as well, haven't they? And hung out uh, (laughs) by Croatia. (laughs) Very good. Um, They've had their world rocked, Adam, because people thought uh, these guys are untouchable. You know, they hadn't lost in such a long time, uh, you know, like I'm sure Dave will tell you. And uh, I think essentially they are still the team to beat at the tournament. Um, You know, it it still it still stands that uh, they were they were complacent and essentially they allowed Croatia into this position as much as Croatia played their way into it you know they were very sort of laissez-faire if you like uh I really enjoyed the early David De Gea mistake um which allowed who was it was it Rakitic to try and chip it yeah Rakitic um and then obviously Sergio Ramos's mistake as well so I, I still feel like there's elements that Spain could improve on um but I mean Dave Worrying that David de Gea has been beaten at his near post a number of times this season in really critical games as well.
3: Ah, da, 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 don't give me that, Lawrence. That was, I think that's one of the first times that he missed with his feet. David de Gea has, has been excellent with Felipe his Coutinho, making saves with feet. Coutinho near post or not? Yeah, that was a chip, though. Was that a chip or not, Lawrence? Was that was at, not a feet a feet it, save. But was it at the near post or not, Dave? That was a chip. It's a different. It's a different uh, saving with your feet the criticism that Glenn Hoddle gave him was completely unfounded and very unfair. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Glenn Hoddle was... There's two, so you're Glenn saying Hoddle two Glenn times that that's happened this season that, that you can think of where he's been beating his near post? No, I was just... Maybe three. I think, he's been, I think someone else hammered one quite high, but I don't think that's a technical issue at all. I just think he it, it, it got a little bit unlucky today. It was a deflected effort. Um, and I don't feel you can, you know, David de Gea, such had such a fantastic season that two small mistakes in a game doesn't doesn't make him a poor goalkeeper. I thought he commanded his area very well, he punched very well. Um, so apart from that, you know, the 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 slight two mistakes didn't have the worst game in the world, but they were mistakes.
1: Obviously, you know, uh, historically Sergio Ramos has also missed. Um, I think by, uh, there's a list here, Bayern Munich. In 2012, in the Champions League semi-final, um, miss was no surprise. Apparently, also missed in the Confederations Cup um, mm. against Brazil. Uh, and there's a, there's a meme going around online at the moment of Xavi just holding his face, even when uh, even when Sergio Ramos has taken a penalty um, I can't, against still can't Italy.
0: Play. Now, though, um, I mean, how do you rate their chances now, Lawrence? Obviously, Italy can only finish of their group now um so that's 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 made that matchup up. Yeah. what do you reckon
1: i mean it's incredibly exciting because i i think where uh, croatia were exciting tonight was between the fullback and the center back and like dave says that because they're able to run those guys ragged essentially attacking the fullback area an area which uh, a couple of teams are quite um weak in at this euros because they don't like their center backs being run at um uh, you know, maybe France, for instance, um, and at times Germany, because I don't feel they've fixed that right back problem. Um, and so I, I, I'm interested to see what, what the likes of Ed Eyre can do in that sort of position and whether, uh, you know, Spain are going to be able to pass their way around a really fluid Italian formation with three at the back who, uh, you know, I mean, you know, how are you supposed to get past BBC? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious, though. I mean, you know, we saw we saw there was some... Basically, it was uh, some lax defending which allowed Spain to score against Turkey. As, as much as it was beautiful, you know, I don't think you're going to get that. Are you really realistically going to get the same ball slipped in that Silva was allowed for the first goal?
3: But I don't think so. I think that was a bit of a technical issue from Jedvai. Um, it was, you know, completely blindsided him. Someone that usually plays full-back for Leverkusen, and usually right-back. So it's just a... I think that was a, you know, something that could have been avoided maybe if they were playing uh, Vida their other centre half um, but unfortunately lads I found out today that I'm allergic to tennis equipment
0: I've got Rakitic oh god <laughs> wow seamless yeah. as well and I that's where
1: going, we're going to finish the right, podcast man, in. that's yeah. where we finish we're done for the day there's no way to go up here and talk about Germany winning or uh, Poland winning it's just bloody awful <laughs> Rakitic move on Adam <laughs>
0: Very good, Dave. Dave. Before I get um, smack a bit. <laughs> Spain, Italy, England, Germany, uh, France, all on the same side of the draw. On the other side, uh, sort of Lawrence mentioned earlier, Group F uh, are over there. Wales and Belgium. Um, Wales are going to win the Euros. I think we can all agree right now. They're, they're going to get to the final, right? Mm, Simple. Easy. Simple route, isn't it? Just beat Poland. Um, and then they're big. through, really. Um, Turkey uh, didn't do enough. Uh, to ensure Northern Ireland didn't go through, Turkey had to score four goals, I believe. Uh, only managed two against the Czech Republic. Uh, did any of you guys manage to catch that game?
1: Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, Boy, I mean, uh, I, I don't. I, obviously, I don't feel like that was ever going to be something realistic for Turkey. Um, yeah. No, I mean, realistically, it wasn't, was it? Um I seen when they got those two goals, you know, it's like, hang on, how hang I about mean, they could do it. Well thing is, I mean we think we think it's uh, bad for Turkey. Imagine being Czech Republic.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about Northern Ireland Germany? Now obviously Ariego miss score, Dave. I know that makes you very, very happy indeed. I'm sure you've been playing that song to yourself all afternoon, no doubt. Um, but perhaps more importantly, Northern Ireland are through now after tonight's results, they're through to the round of sixteen, a massive achievement. Dave. he's getting a song isn't he is he getting a song or is he looking at more jokes i bet, I bet, jokes he's, I bet about... he's getting a song
1: no yeah. Dave, Dave you, you missed your you, you through my go, headphones <laughs> you can't go to you can't go to crap songs you can't go to th- really awful things back to back can't tell the racket j- j- joke and then go Manny, I'm gone, man. Was, was the
3: racketage goal funny or not Lawrence McKenna
1: yeah. was the racket it, it wasn't funny Dave.
0: It's I, very funny. I I I groaned slightly. I must say, But um, well, in an amused right. fashion. <laughs> yeah, <there it>
3: is. <laughs> remix date? Yes. Remix two K sixteen, but
0: Oh, mate. mate. What's your DJ name? Uh, D O B on the M I C. Date of wow, birth on the that, mic. You said that too quick for it to not be true. So it must be true. I'm for sure, he's said true. it
1: before when he's been rapping over like a how or a garage beat. Is the
0: <laughs> old on oh, the MRC? Uh, Mario Gomez scored, <laughs> Dave. but Northern Ireland are through.
4: They
3: are the lads. Uh, Will Griggs has definitely been on fire at this Euros. Those twelve goals that he scored them to get them through through the group stage has been impressive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's been great on the sidelines, I'll like give him
0: that. And yeah, it's the bench little, is definitely
1: fire. It's definitely a shame that, uh, again, Vardy, Vardy has been slipped into that, where people are saying, uh, Vardy is on fire.
0: That was all they sang in, in St Etienne yesterday. It was that on repeat. And uh, what's the other one? Don't take me up in a weird normal
1: accent what I never get what I never get is yeah. that people use the line I just don't think you understand and you're a little bit like no I've got, a, I've got great comprehension of this and I still want to take you home um, <laughs> did, did anyone see I just the, don't want no, it's not, I just don't want to go to work they say um, yeah, I
3: want to stay here drinking all your beer, beer. Please, please,
0: don't, please don't take me home yeah. don't take me home anyway uh, it's that Jamie Vardy song and then um, Fuck Off Europe Rule Voting Out that one had a lot less uh, are you joking voice it. No. that one had a lot less voice behind it I've got to say <laughs> compared to the other two it sort of was a little bit quiet that one not in the stadium It's alone sort of, just... <laughs> in itself that, that song came out quite a few times um, yeah. not quite as popular that one um, so anyway Northern Ireland the Fruit they reached a knockout stage of a major tournament for just the third time in their history. Better goal difference than Albania and Turkey. A massive achievement. They finished the group on three points, essentially. Um, so, well done to Northern Ireland. Um, I think we can all give them a round of applause. Mm. Uh, that's something that massively appreciate. Correct. Germany, though. Dave. Obviously, Mario is scoring. Um, which, obviously, as I said, makes you very happy. Were mm. you impressed? by their performance because people have not been impressed by the way the Mannschaft have performed so far
3: Uh, you know I think it's they're still finding their feet in the way they're still finding this system obviously dropping the false nine in Mario Götze and bringing in a true number nine in Mario Gomez I think that's a big positive for them you know one it opens up space for Thomas Muller who had a pretty decent game today um playing that role you know investigating the space uh, that sort of opens up for him but i feel that they've got to stick with this number nine i feel that it pulls everyone further forward you know uh, Tom, uh, tony Cruz will get more space to dictate from deep i just think it's, it's a better move from uh, joaquin uh, Low altogether to play a true number nine that is going to stretch people he had a number of chances of mario gomez probably should have scored a hat-trick today um but you know it, it, maybe it's match fitness but you know we haven't really played that many minutes before only a substitute um, appearance uh, so far in the Euros before today so I think it, I think the Germany team will just hit some steam but again like we mentioned before they've got the, the hard side of the group so if they do beat whoever is third place in group A, B or F they will come up against Italy or Spain in the quarter so they have a long way to go and then if they beat they win that they'll probably come up against either England or France Ooh. so it, that is going to be such a tough tough side of the tournament
0: it, uh, the root of death it's no it's no joke it is no joke
1: one tough side um, and one sort of relatively <sighs> relatively easy side
0: yeah I mean seeing these results from tonight seeing the way it's going I mean do we do we feel even more aggrieved over what happened in St Etienne last night or have, we, or have we made our peace with it
1: I mean I don't feel aggrieved at it I feel aggrieved if there was something terrible that had happened but you know th- th- those guys deserved it they didn't play well enough on that night and they've made it harder for themselves
0: but in terms of you know all the criticism Roy Hodgson's getting for for gambling, as everyone says, of making those changes, do we, do we feel it's a massive negative now that so we have we have on the other which side? Changes, which or, changes
1: did Roy Hodgson make that people aren't happy with? W- weren't happy with pre match.
0: Um, pre match, they weren't happy with bringing Jack Wilshire in. I think it was more I think it was more pre-match. It was the amount of changes. Everyone was like, oh, hang on. We just won that Wales match. bit of momentum, you know. We just won a match. Everyone's feeling good. And to make those that many changes, everyone's like, oh, is it going to kill the mem- momentum? Um, obviously, when they labored yesterday, now it's, oh, the gamble didn't pay off. We're now on the tough side of the draw, the root of death, if I said. Of course, you have to face these teams anyway. But everyone's annoyed that we didn't play the strongest team and therefore go through. Now, of course, it's not 100% That Even if we'd have played the strongest team, we'd have gone through to the other end of the draw. As you can see, with Spain tonight playing the strongest team. didn't quite work out for them. But people seem very upset yeah. uh, that we're, we're not... That we're facing tougher teams, essentially. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous, though, because both those
1: sides were strong enough to beat Slovakia. And at the same time, a lot of people were calling for Wilshire to be in the side, and they were calling for Sturridge and Vardy to start the previous game. Klein is not so much weaker than Walker. Um, and in the field, I think the only real change which maybe people could have complained a bit about would have been Jordan Henderson. Um, I mean, that would really
0: be the only uh, part. It was I was taking off Rooney, though, wasn't it? Bringing on Wilshere and Henderson of taking off Rooney. Um, Bertrand, although Nathaniel Klein, you're right, he, he looked an able... Ball, uh, sort of backup for Kyle Walker I don't think the same can quite be said for Ryan
2: Burcham uh, um, I mean I
1: still think I, yeah, I still think Klein was, was good enough I still think it, you know whether England fielded what we consider to be the strongest strong team or they fielded that side I still think that England should be beating a side like Slovakia in that situation
2: and that's not even speaking they of may to run into
1: a, the a biased six. situation I mean you know they essentially I think either way England should be beating and I think it comes down to a lot more than just what Roy's done. Just those changes. Interesting.
0: What do, what do you think, Dave?
3: Yeah, actually, it was poor. It's you know, uh, sort of what we said <laughs> about yesterday in terms of the Henderson, the Wilshire. It's not good enough. And speaking to people today, people um, thought that Jordan Henderson played well. I, I thought he was absolutely awful yesterday. Didn't do enough in the final third. Didn't offer...
0: really um, divide an opinion.
3: Uh, yeah, it really is. It's, it's quite an interesting one. you know. Well, maybe we should ask what the listeners think about Jordan Henderson's performance against um, Slovakia because it is definitely 50-50. I just didn't think he did enough with the ball. Being in, in, in central midfield, he didn't command anything. Um, I just felt it, it, the game passed him by. It really did. And For a player like Jordan Henderson
2: that
0: technically is coming into the peak of his career, needs to do a little bit more on that stage after last night and as we said England on the route of death along with Spain Italy Germany and France I should say um, looking ahead to tomorrow's fixtures as the tournament starts does take shape into those knockout Adam, rounds we got Adam buddy one. you Poland. missed Poland Ukraine oh, that was a game I watched I at five that.
3: o'clock I wasted
1: 90 minutes of my life
3: sorry. Dave just because uh, you don't get to talk Ukraine. about
1: it doesn't
0: mean he <laughs> didn't <laughs> <laughs> ready Dave Ukraine Neil Poland 1 Blazikowski sealed second spot go blashakovsky scored a great goal excellent goal an assist
3: from my um milik who had another wonderful game um created the most chances on the pitch but overall the ukraine were a bit better than poland in this one it was uh, ukraine dominated the ball yarmolenko had a number of chances he probably should have put away but it sort of felt like a very ukrainian european 2016 performance where they just had the chances didn't take them and then ultimately got beat um, Poland defended well. Pazdan again was brilliant. Krovec again um, covered his back four in, in lots of glory. Again, it was a cho- it was a, um, a different Poland side. Obviously, Błaszczykowski came off the bench. Piszczek was rested, so that right side that is, um, you know, probably the, one of the best qualities uh, wasn't there from the start. So the change had to be made. He came on and he made a big impact. But again, Lewandowski was 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 poor. hasn't had a um, hasn't had a shot on target yet at the Euros. It's a, it's a weird one. It really is. He should have. Scored in the first half. Milik put a great ball into the penalty area, but a great cross with his left foot. Three, four yards out. Lewandowski ballooned it over. So I feel that... I don't know what's going on with Lewandowski. It just feels like he's just not hitting the not hitting the ball or not... He doesn't look very confident with a way. You know, he, he wasn't bringing anyone to play like we, we know Lewandowski can do. So it's a bit of a worry for Poland going to the last stage because they did look a little bit toothless with Lewandowski uh, playing so poorly. There's another moment in the second half where I think it was a five-on-four break for Poland and he, he went for the spectacular flood th- through ball to... I think it was... Um, Kaputska, a very difficult pass, and he didn't pull it off. Whereas he had like one man in, one man inside, one man to the left of him. He could have played a simple pass to, him and then got the move going on. So, don't know whether he's trying a little bit hard, too hard,
0: and he just needs to chill out a bit. You don't regret out, watching the game, though, do you, Dave? Say again, sorry. You enjoyed watching the game, though, right?
3: Yeah, it was all right
0: in spells. Um,
3: it was a bit dull towards the end of the first half, and then start the second half. But apart from that, yeah, it was it was a decent bit of football. And the goal was brilliant, lovely, lovely move from Kuba.
0: Last point on today's games. Why was one of you tweeting me at awkward when Mario Gomez scored? Don't know, mate. Don't know, mate? Mm-mm.
1: Interesting. Don't know, mate. Don't know. Or just awkward, really, that you didn't back him for the tournament and someone else on the podcast did, really. And that you were Don't so maybe. vehement. Backing
0: for the tournament? So I vehement.
1: Said, and you're anti-Gomez. Really your you said he's was rubbish. He needs to go you home, to home. You said it's anti-Gomez. Yeah, your are anti-Gomez
0: propaganda. Anti-Gomez. I was more... Helpful. And I made a bet which I won, and have uh, yet to see the rewards <laughs> from Dave. Yeah, he's going to
3: be too busy gallivanting around the world Hungry. to Saint-Tien, aren't you?
0: Uh, and you told me that Mario Gomez was going to light up the tournament. Those were your words. And when um, he's on the pitch, he started he it up today, it? he started today, Adam. He started today. There you have it. Speaking um, of you gallivanting around to the world, though,
1: Adam, uh, how, how was your France
0: experience? Oh, it was great. Great fun. Um, thank you to Roy Jennings if the the, the Chelsea fans shall give me a spare ticket great atmosphere I'd say uh, being in St Etienne England fans completely took over wonderful being there uh, to be amongst it the game of course was, was not quite what everyone was hoping for but you know in the stadium the, the support was incredible there was sort of a, a bizarre I'd say 10 to 15 minute never ending uh, great escape England chant you know da learn <laughs> England and it never Stopped like it went on for 15 minutes wow. and it got you know, there was it started to get you know more rousing when they went towards the penalty box. You think, oh, it's over after a chance was missed. No, it just started up again, never ending. So, the support itself was fantastic. Uh, it was pretty much all England fans in there, I'd say, sort of 70% England fans in the stadium. Uh, wonderful stadium as well. Uh, shame they sell 0.5% beer in there, but less out of the better. And uh, yeah, very nice experience together. I've also got to give a shout out to a guy called Mike. Uh me and Roy were staying in uh let's call it a basic accommodation out in Saint Etienne. And this morning we come downstairs doing all the, you know, the boring reception stuff, handed in the keys and what have you. I hear a little gasp behind us. You know, some guy's sitting there and he's like, Are you are you Rory Jennings from the, the, the Chelsea fan show? <laughs> Rory's like, you know, <laughs> playing you know, I'm acting like my ego's not bruised and then he goes, Are you Adam Baldwood from the, the Front Free Podcast? I was like, oh, you know, no way. It's embarrassing that, you know. I was like, oh, you know, thanks so much for listening. He's like, oh, you know, big, big fan or whatever. I was like, oh, listen to the podcast tonight. I said, just listen tonight. So this guy, this poor kid, is sitting there in reception. I didn't want to say to him, you know, oh, you know, uh, basically, you know, you look like shit right now. He'd been sitting there in reception, <laughs> looked very uncomfortable, uh, looked very tired. So it turned out um, sitting there, I thought he was checking out like us. No, no, no. Made a bit of an error. Him and his mates, uh, who were from Hong Kong, unbelievably, had come over for the Euros made a small error they would booked for july 20th instead of june 20th oh, we've, all it. we've all done in it. basic accommodation so they basically slept in the hallway of the hotel <laughs> and <laughs> managed to get themselves inside this morning to get on the the very uncomfortable looking wicker furniture so we just get a little moment's rest before they headed off um but he uh he, he managed to look excited when he saw more rory than me but, uh, Mike, thanks so much for listening. Wonderful to meet you this morning. Sorry that, uh, that your stay didn't quite work out uh, as you'd hoped with the, uh, the accommodation there. If
1: you'd have seen him the night before, would you have invited him to come and you know spoon?
0: Um, no, because I was pretty much spooning Rory, as it was. Okay, we, were, yeah. we were in one bed. Um, you were the big spoon. Of we, we thought we were in separate beds. It would have been a bit tight, but I might have said, you know, uh, here's some pillows. Come, come and blanket. sleep on the floor.
1: <laughs> oh, you <laughs> are too floor. kind.
0: <laughs> There's the bath. <laughs> The baths are very comfortable even if you need to sleep in them. If you if you get
1: drunk enough, they definitely are.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but all, all together, wonderful experience. Um, despite the on the pitch stuff, I'd say. But hopefully, you know, in the next round, if who's it look like we're going to get Portugal, Austria? Um, looks most likely Probably right? hungry. Yeah. I think you know. That's, that's okay. Maybe then in the next round when we we'll inevitably go out to France and everyone starts getting very annoyed, then we might look back at that result as even more of a problem. But at the moment, I'm not going to get too upset. Uh, on to tomorrow, though, guys. There's some big <clears throat> pictures. Italy are playing the Republic of Ireland. Ireland need to win this one. Italy, of course, you know, it's almost a dead robber for them. They're, they're finishing first in this group. Uh, Conte expected to, to rest players, to rotate his squad. The question is, with that in mind, do Ireland have a chance, Lawrence?
1: I mean, Ireland are always going to have a chance, but uh, especially against uh, a defensive side like this, I feel like with the impetus on it, Italy, we're going to see quite a different game. I'm looking forward to seeing how Italy do when Ireland sit back and sort of say, right, let's counter-attack on these guys. What can mm-hmm. Long do? What, what can the likes of those guys do against... It probably won't be BBC, will it? Because uh, how many of are on cards?
3: Uh, both Benucci uh, and Barzagli, I think, got... No, sorry. Kehlani and Benucci got booked in the game against uh, Belgium. So it'll I'm just pretty be. Pretty sure.
1: It'll just be another B, and then maybe two people sub it in to sort of give give them the full chance of being able to play BBC against Spain,
3: which gives. So, so you've got Ogbonna? O- 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 yeah. Ogbonner and uh,
0: Darmian, maybe.
1: I mean, uh, I like I lama my chances more against ODB than BBC.
0: <laughs> Sweden v Belgium. Could be Zlatan's last ever game, Dave. Four, sweet.
3: Yeah, and he's gonna he's gonna bag a hat trick, mate. Sweden three, Belgium
0: nil. Really? I feel like I need to stick a five on this now. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, D- Dave, why?
3: Um I feel that Sweden will be very ugly. they're just hard to beat Sweden. Um, there's just a bit like oh, they're difficult, and I feel that like Zlatan hasn't really done anything yet in this tournament, really, apart from the assist for the own goal that Republic of Ireland scored. I just feel that there's there's something coming
0: from him. Like they Zlatan is to it, there, they? secure the place. Surely they're going after they ran rampant against them. Uh, they're going to do what needs to be done. Yeah, I think just think
3: Belgium. Um, they they still inherently have a few issues, um, especially in their transition, and that's something that the Swedish side, if they do fancy it, could you know could really put some put some fire in their belly in a way, and and go out there and uh, score
0: some goals. Right. Okay. Yes. Belgium, have got this <laughs> one. Um, what about hungary Portugal? Uh, Ronaldo and Portugal failing to really perform so far. Lawrence, uh, are we expecting a better showing this time?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, but against an informed Hungary, a uh, Hungary side who I think are top of their group, aren't they? Mainly because Portugal have fallen away, but still. Um, and a side who, uh, in the very beginning of the tournament, looked as if they were seriously uh, g- going to top this group. I mean, yeah. In fact, I find uh, them top of the group ahead of Iceland. I still think it could go Hungary, Iceland, Portugal, Austria. And that would mean that Portugal yeah. and Austria let both drop out. My God. Good God. I mean, l- look, at, look at Hungary so far. I mean, they got the draw against Iceland and then the win against Austria. Granted, everything went wrong for yeah. those guys. But I feel like if they frustrate Portugal for long enough, then uh, we'll, see, we'll see the result in Hungary's favour. The only difference here is that I think Ronaldo realises that his team could go out here. I think he's going to have to change his ways in order to get into the next round. And I don't think the focus should just be on him. You really need to make sure that uh, from set pieces they make the most of those sorts of things because they haven't been doing that so far. All it's been going through Ronaldo, and I sort of want to see what what can happen, basically when he shares the responsibility a little bit.
0: Hungary only need a point uh, to be sure of reaching the knockout phase, yeah. um, so I think I think that that's looking good. What about Iceland, Austria, Dave? Who do you reckon is coming out on top on this one?
3: I'm going to go uh, nilers nil nil. <sighs> I think it's going to be the greatest of games that we've ever seen in an international tournament. Yeah, you can just see, (laughs) just sort of seeing the competition out both those sides. um, You know, Iceland do lack a little bit of quality in the in the final third, um, and this Austrian team has just flopped, um, like the dark horse that they were predicted to be at the start of the tournament. I think that Portugal will win this group. uh, Hungary second. um, Iceland, Austria. So I'm going to go with.
0: Does that result mean Turkey? Turkey can still
3: get through, right? Yeah, Turkey it? Can, can still get through. Yeah, they've got the three points. Um, so they they sit on uh, equal points with Albania and uh, Northern Ireland. Um, they have a worse difference than Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland are going through now, and Albania and Turkey are both on minus two. So dependent on what happens in groups E and F, with Sweden on one point, Ireland on one point, and then Portugal and Austria on one point. So basically... Uh, those, uh, both Turkey and Albania, pretty much need Belgium, Italy to win, and um, uh, you know, either Iceland, or Portugal and Hungary to win to get them through to the next round. All the draws, obviously, will will also
0: mean that. There's all the the permutations there from Squawk, Dave. True, um, say, true say. We, finish up? Uh, Nalito, we finish up?
1: Couldn't Nolito g- uh, go to Man City? Is that not news that's sort of related? He mm. is
0: close to signing for 13.8 million. Pounds, and you know it's true. It's in the Guardian, which is actually uh, pretty reputable.
1: Raúl Moreles could be on his way to Port to Bournemouth.
0: What? I didn't even know that. That's pretty. That's pretty seismic. I think is the only word. But, could,
1: I, I haven't. Also, uh, Leicester been turning down lots of offers for Troy Dini.
0: Now, this is the bit I wanted to come on to, guys. Oh, okay. Leicester City have apparently made a thirty million pound bid. <laughs> for Troy Dini and you know, I heard Dave's little, little laugh there <laughs> now what do you think about this because we've been debating about this uh, insanity among Indian fans what's going the world's gone mad you know all this sort of stuff 30 million pounds at the same time some people come in and saying these guys have got stacks of money of course Watford aren't going to sell of course Leicester have got this money to burn is it such a bad thing that players like Troy Dini go 30 million or is this a uniquely Premier League problem essentially
1: could it be that they're clubbing some of their money together from the tv deal and what they're anticipating jamie vardy to make them
0: doesn't look like he's going anymore um sure it doesn't reports arson wenger's come out and said as far as i know he's, he's he's staying um that's that's the murmurings going around of course nothing confirmed it could be. It could be the 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 influx of cash from Vardy Tal. But at the same time, still, 30 million for Troy Dini, who I think it's fair to say is no Spring Chicken, um, not necessarily a world beer, um, not even an international player. Even what, though Dave, why and, would you uh, spend that on him? Exactly. Now, what I'm trying to do is say, is it such a bad thing? Essentially, people saying 30 million ridiculous amount of money to spend on Troy D. do we need to almost adjust our, our barometer of, of how we judge transfers because there's so much money in the Premier League even for clubs like Watford and Leicester now mm, or is it still no. just
3: ridiculous I think the Leicester City should get revoked their league title should be revoked bidding 30 million
1: for Troy yeah. D at any time um, is absolutely insane. insane that would be like buying Di Maria for 60 and then selling him the next season no, because Di Maria won the Champions League,
3: Lawrence. Uh, Troy Deeney uh, has won the championship. <laughs> he's a good player, yes, but he's not worth £30 pounds. He's definitely um, also, no. especially They're not completely considering that there's
1: better. There, there is, there's better value out there than Troy Deeney.
0: Hmm. I the the league. Thing, though, essentially. Maybe There's the no I mean maybe the this is, or the English players. I
1: mean this is what interesting is maybe, you know, people talk about Moneyball, but people also talk about crunching the numbers for other players. Moneyball is one form of crunching the numbers, and it tends to be that people think it's just crunching the numbers to get value at a low end. Maybe people crunch the numbers and believe that Mr Dini is worth the thirty million.
0: Maybe. <laughs> yeah. just, just seems but, a weird one, do you know what I mean? Uh, it does seem a weird one. They they apparently bid fifteen million for Michael Keane as well. Mental. Um, So, I'm just. It seems bizarre, but maybe this is the new new normal now in the Premier League. You spend thirty million pounds on a you know near thirty. I think he's twenty-eight. Is he twenty-seven, twenty-eight? And he's thirty-year-old striker. Um, (laughs) It seems pretty incredible. He would become potentially the third most expensive Englishman of all time. Uh, More expensive (laughs) than Rio, Luke Shaw, Wayne Rooney. Um, yeah, it's quite something. It is quite something if it does come off. I would say that much. Well, I mean, rumours were
1: there that Liverpool were bidding for Andros Townsend, so you know, wow, the world I really has been mad.
0: Yeah, it has. How much was there? A, was there a price on that one? I didn't.
1: I don't think I saw the figure. Um, but apparently, he just, you know, they're interested in bidding for him. So that's definitely a well. That's interesting, isn't it?
0: <laughs> um, what about on a less crazy one, Victor Wanyama Looks like it's off to Spurs. We kind of discussed uh, this a little September bit yesterday, mid- but but how do you feel about it as a Spurs fan, him
1: arriving at the club? I mean, it's a it's a great deal.
0: I think so, yeah. Uh, 11 million, this one. Um, so slightly less ridiculous. And I think it's a sort of player, we need Eric Dier uh, sort of now, you know, he's become, uh, incredibly, he's become essential for club and country now in that sort of holding midfield role. Um, you obviously need backup and, and someone you can rotate in that position with uh, the Champions League coming in. Someone who can also sort of, you know, uh, be tough in midfield alongside Moussa Dembele who we desperately missed last season so I'm very happy I'd rather have him for 11 than Dini for 30 I think, uh, I think I'll think i say that much
1: I mean I agree um, I also uh, I also think it would be great if England could remain in the tournament because that'll probably help Brexit yeah so vote help. vote remain because the long. Um, uh, yeah I mean that's the difference isn't it is that as is that long as all those guys who are out in France singing uh, about, you know, I just don't think you understand, etc. Um, they're also the ones who are like, fuck you, sure, we're, we're, we're voting out. Yeah. And you're like, ah, but are you? Because you're in France. Unless you've got a really good postal vote, you, my friends, are in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Suck on that, you dickheads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's that's interesting. A few postal. of them have.
0: It, uh, a few well, of them have uh, done, done some forward thinking. I was not that much for them. Uh, they've apparently done their postal votes, so there you
1: go. Were you, um, sort of, you out there doing a straw poll? Hey, guys, who has them? No, just, uh, guys, just I just want lads. to check. If we're going to be just chanting, a few lads heard them. if, if ever, <laughs> all of us are going to chant this, how many of you actually have done a postal vote here? Because there's a Oil. great chance.
4: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines.
2: Gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects for full safety information visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300
4: see for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com England may actually remain in and we all need to stay,
1: okay?
0: It's, oh, oh, little conversation there you know. Oh, just assume you're voting Brexit then, yeah, already voted mate already voted suddenly
1: These your choice of the, the name the football republic seems a lot more applicable dun, 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 dun. I know yes. very
0: interesting terrible stuff. choice um, Who? if yeah. you guys revealed which way you're voting on it's very um, emotive I'm finding even uh, discussing it brings strong opinions uh, trenchant opinions I find
1: I mean they do sort uh, of say opinions. you're not supposed to discuss uh, your politics are you
0: but yeah, uh, I mean, religion or politics is what I say. Well, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm voting in to be quite honest I'm remaining I yeah. think that's what everyone should do. And if you don't vote that, you're a little bit stupid. No offence to anyone that's voting out. I don't,
1: I don't think it's time to leave. Let's put it that way. I don't like the, I don't like I the right. bureaucrats in I don't Brussels. No
0: offence to anyone, but you're stupid. <laughs> Everyone's in their opinions, Dave. Everyone's yeah, they're stupid opinions, though, Adam, and that's the problem.
1: My issue, um, my issue with it is I feel like there's... Um, I mean, it, it, it feels like a bit of a distraction from the, the real issues. You know, I mean, we look at—I uh, I, I come from purely, not purely, but a predominantly media perspective—and you look at the the poster behind Farage with all the people openly crossing a border, and you think, yeah. unless they're coming from Scotland, no one's walking across a border to get into England,
0: all right? Just wonder if it seems—it seems so—it um, seems obvious to me that it should be remained. and like you're saying, when you see Farage say things like this, and it—it it kind of boils down to immigration, you feel oh, it's kind of missed. And the point they're twisting things and they've made it quite an ugly campaign, but is that almost confirmation bias where everything I'm seeing is just reinforcing what I think. And on the guys on the other side, I think the exact same thing oh, Cam- Cameron's scaremongering, look at him, he doesn't want you know the sovereignty, blah blah blah, all this sort of stuff.
1: I don't think either side's dealt with it particularly well, do you? I mean, uh, I feel like there's a lot of people who don't seem to be running their in house very well. There's a lot of politics who politicians who don't seem to be. Uh, they don't have very good relations. I think that a good thing is that the press the press have become independent. The problem is the press have become independent, and then the bigger issue is they've become dependent on the money. So they've become independent from the politicians, but become more dependent on the money. And that's where people like, well, sadly, Murdoch uh, and his his crew sort of become a little bit more influential. Uh, and if, I mean, even weirder is, it, you know, if you're outside the UK you're probably going to have a different view again so it probably seems almost irrelevant but it isn't. Mm. Um, before
0: we finish david um, cameron
1: could might not be prime minister if they leave let's put it that way and then we're stuck with boris johnson so another reason to vote that's, in uh, yeah. is that you definitely i mean you thought uh, you thought cameron was bad just wait
0: just wait that that's threatening um, before we finish, we're moving on from the politics briefly. There's just been a little report coming out, um, that the FA Lawrence are yeah. unsettled yeah. by Roy Hodgson's risky team the selection all the against Slovakia. Who's Officials the feel wholesale changes were an unnecessary gamble that jeopardized England chances and Ooh. may have damaged managers long-term standing Roy Hodgson's contract ex- expected to expire after Euro 2016 um a few you know murmurings of noises coming out uh, from the FA about whether it's going to be extended I think it was Greg Dykes or came out and said that losing in the semi-finals was a good tournament essentially um yeah. ah, Hodgson said he's gone no regrets anyway Lawrence but those changes haven't just gone down badly
1: to. with the fans though they depends who you lose badly. to really though isn't it I mean you know if you lose to Hungary? If you, yeah, if you lose to Hungary in the semi-finals, more for oh. you. But if you lose to France. Spain or someone who eventually goes on to win the competition, then it almost seems fair enough. Um, all is I want to know who's leaking feel... this? Who's the one leaking this from inside the camp? Because it seems a lot like it doesn't seem in... I mean, it's in the public's interest, but the way that it's reported is so salacious and so sort of, ooh, we found this out. This undermines out position yeah i mean clearly but i mean why would you want to maybe not someone in
0: the senior-ish position i don't know
1: but why do that at this point why go about your politics in this way there's nothing that represents the fa in a positive light it clearly shows that there's a a sort of a a mole in the camp if you like because those these people are leaking when you need solidarity amongst the players and the playing staff and the public it it's just weird
0: it's mad, isn't it, the Euros? You know, like, when we, you know, during the season and everything changes week to week and the, the storylines change and all of a sudden the manager was a genius last week. He's a complete failure the next. The Euros is like such a heightened uh, arena, isn't it? It's kind of like every two days, Roy Hodgson gone from, wow, you know, that gamble in the, in the Wales game really paid off. He did really well, you know, with, with some caveats. Now he's a complete failure. He's getting sacked after the next game. He's taken too many chances, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's mad how quickly the, the narrative, I would say, has changed um That's my plenty opinion. more narratives to come guys <laughs> plenty more narratives to come in the coming days
1: doesn't sound so new yorky today but kristen is still in new york and it is kristen just over an hour until argentina play the u.s where are they playing
5: they're playing in houston texas
1: houston texas so um a pretty uh, hostile environment for the argentinians
5: It'll be a home game for the US, obviously, with it being on American soil. Um, but that, I think in, in a lot of ways that's something that's kind of struck me is you you talk about you know this being a home tournament for the US. The numbers of fans representing countries like Ecuador and Colombia and such that have come out, I think, highlights the diversity in this country and, and how it truly is, as it says on the tin, a melting pot culturally. Um and, and I think you see heritages and and people's ancestries represented very passionately, never more so than, than when you go to a game and you see it in the stands with the, the sheer number of people who've come out.
1: How uh, how therefore does that mean you're getting accepted? Is Because is I, I do know, I, I, and this is what I found quite interesting, having been in the American blogosphere for a little while, it's all about authentic the authenticity of things, isn't it?
5: It is. Uh, My experience has has been majority positive. So, a lot of people are are very friendly and eager to talk. The only difficulty I've faced personally is a linguistic one in terms of not speaking Spanish, and that can be a difficulty with players. I mean, you know, even guys in the, the Premier League that you maybe hope can speak a little bit, guys like Jeff Montero and Valencia, they were good enough sports to try with me, but again, it's. It's a bridge you can't always cross. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had a chat with Jack Harrison, who is a Stoke-on-Trent-born lad who's playing for New York City FC. Mm. And having just done Columbia peru the night before, I was really struck about how important it can be to have those little linguistic nuances on your yeah. side in the sense of, that was two northern lads talking about football, so instantly it was a lot more relaxed. He didn't really have to listen as intently. I didn't have to choose my words in the questions so he could understand. Yeah. And I, th- I think if there's one takeaway I have had from from this on a more personal level, it's that I didn't really need to learn Spanish and and quickly um, with the Gold Cup approaching next year. But I think even with that, you know, I have to give credit to. Uh, a young chap called roberto rojas who has been nice enough to <laughs> translate for me in the mix zone because they again whether you disagree with it or not they don't provide a translator in the mix zone they do in press conferences but not in the mix zone and roberto who speaks both fluently was kind enough to ask questions on my behalf and then translate them back to me so i had something to write which again i really can't thank him for enough because it gave me at least some quotes to work with. Um, because again, like, like I said, a lot of these players they don't think to learn English. Jason Miller, for example, has gone from Colombia to Spain to Italy, so there's been no need for him to learn English. And equally, again, if anything, it probably reflects poorly on me for, for not being able to to speak that second language to begin with. Mm.
1: What's it What's it been like, sort of, uh, you know, sort of doing your journalism but in a different place? Because I'd imagine that you're sort of used to you know a bit of a I don't know. A, 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 I'm trying to work it out. A, 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 you know, your day-to-day sort of thing goes on in England and, you know, you, as a journalist, I imagine you sort of get your grind on. But in the States, it's quite different for you.
5: Hmm. I'd say it's, it's following the trail behind a few people. So guys like Tim Vickery are probably the best example. These guys who understand every country in depth, the ins, the outs, the politics, et cetera, I come to it with fresher eyes in the sense that I don't grasp all of that and and haven't been able to understand all of that because as much reading as I can do, there are things that slip through and slip through underneath that that radar and through that net. I think for me that's maybe where I've tried to come in and and maybe see if I can at all give a fresh perspective because – Again, it's it's a similar situation with the leagues that, that you and I know very well. Sometimes you can get locked into a way of thinking. And because I don't have the the history or any... prejudices is the wrong word, but preconceptions is perhaps a better way to put it. Preconceptions about these teams and the way they play. I'm judging them on very isolated situations. I was
1: going to say, do, do you find yourself sort of slightly changing the way that you approach things? Because the Premier League definitely conditions you as a journalist to think in a
5: certain way and to ask a certain kind of question. Exactly, because, you know, if we take Sunderland, for example, when I watch a Sam Halliday's team, I can compare them to a Gustavo Poirier team, to a Di Canio team, to a Martin O'Neill team even further back. With Peru, the real understanding I have of Peru is they chopped a lot of older, experienced players going to this tournament. It was quite an experimental squad. So I'm looking at this maybe with not the same high expectation of, well, this is a squad that's still being formed, so don't expect mountains to be moved. As a consequence of that, I was left quite impressed by their performance against Colombia, because defensively they were resolute. It was just decision-making in the final third that let them down. It was a pass that was a few seconds too late, or it was the wrong angle or the wrong avenue to to slide it down. That's probably not the same evaluation that someone like Tim Vickery has or someone like Roberto Rojas, who, again, fully is immersed in this culture and understands it. Now, again, I've tried to do as much reading as I can. There are some instances where, excuse me, your knowledge base from Europe fills in gaps for you. So, for example, I, I just wrote something today on James Rodriguez in Chile and talking about how Arturo Vidal does symbolize the way that Chile play, that harassing, high-pressure style that, again, saw them really destroy Mexico the other night. I can also understand from knowing the MLS situation a little bit of how Mexico is a, a very political national team and how Juan Carlos Osorio is too much of a tinker. Think, little things you pick up again. It's, you. I've felt during this tournament I've never had the full puzzle. And in some ways that has been difficult sometimes because i like to feel when i cover the european stuff and the mls stuff i know exactly what i'm talking about whereas with this there's been a little bit more stepping into the dark on the thin ice you're not sure if it's going to support your ideas and your your theories
1: it is there are elements of translation and I, i've sort of felt a little bit sorry for roy hodgson in the english press because there are, some really, I mean, there are some really interesting differences between the, the way that the English press treat Roy and the way that other people treat him, and especially mm. the way they treat the team. And I just wonder if there's a, a sort of a parallel to be drawn there, you know, between the, the, almost the languages of football in that sense and the perception. Because, uh, you know, L'Equipe have given England players much higher ratings than uh, their own national players, and yet people rate the French team so much further ahead of England. And you know the, the 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 perception is very different
5: it is I think there are some lines that run parallel, no matter what the The dunga Brazil is probably my best example for that, mm. in the sense that the evaluations that the South American journalists came to were ones that I found coming to myself, watching the team and seeing them play. And then also understanding things that I'd read and, and picked up in and stories and such like, and, and reading interviews with players. So there are those where I think, as I say, they run parallel. Equally, there are instances where things diverge a bit in the sense that to begin with, I was actually quite fond of Juan Carlos Azorio as this tournament began. I thought, you know what, he's trying things, he's being experimental. I kind of like that. I also think that, the fact he's not this really eccentric, out there coach, contrasted with Miguel Herrera, who was and and you know famously punched a journalist in an airport. That's good for this national team. It gives them stability. As the Torres again, I was sitting there thinking, okay, he's experimenting again. That's good. You know, three goalkeepers in four games. It's it's a little bit out there. But then you watch the Chile game, and by the end of the Chile game, probably even half time, I would argue, I'm thinking, why is he changing so much? even when they the start the game the, the lineups are announced I was thinking why is he changing it again he had a really good formation What the need for, for progress is too much here, his greatest strength is clearly his greatest weakness and I think when you have those moments of realisation and it's not your beat as you put it is beautiful in that sense because you, you gain so much confidence from that because you think you know what I've understood this almost on a cellular level here yeah. I haven't got a predisposition I haven't been able to read you know the Mexican sport papers and record and things like this to gleam everything and then equally you do get to immerse yourself in a a different culture now again we live in a computer age I can translate articles things like that you don't get the the full understanding of it of course the nuance of it you do get the body of it so there's little things during the course of this where I've tweeted out front pages or headlines um things like that to me that in itself is, a, is a, an enriching experience because you're growing culturally as well. And sometimes when, when you've, all, you've been raised in the Premier League and things like this, I look at guys like Miguel Delaney, for example, who I think is so brilliant in the way he can transition between teams and countries and leagues and still have such unique insight. That, for me, in a lot of ways, is what I'm trying to to aspire towards to move towards and it's been difficult in the sense that i've had two tournaments to wrestle with so there's been instances where i've talked to you quite kindly about almost feeling kind of burnt out and you know am i taking too much in but then i also think that pressure that that constant um you know ingesting of football as a game that has to be improving something that has to be making something better and I know we have some young uh, writers who listen to this. I've had a few reach out now and again. I I think it is true what they say about the ten thousand hours. You do need to put that in, and you know there was a guy emailed me. I think it was just the other day, and I only just managed to get back to him today. And he said about you know I really want to try and make it like you have. And I said honestly, I haven't. I don't think I have made it because I'm still not coming. He's
1: awful. He's awful at his job. Yeah. Well,
5: this is the thing. I think there are sometimes. I even think. I'm, I'm coming to the conclusions far later than everyone else now maybe that's just my nature of being a little bit more withdrawn and, and trying to give things time to sell but again I think that's the thing with this tournament is that it's been a real learning curve and a real testing period because I've essentially been given free reign I can write you know, I, I, largely I, what I want
1: I you know what I've, I've really been thinking about this tournament because I, I gotta admit I've been feeling a little bit left out of Euro 2016 I mean I work a number of jobs and my you know my only job you know this chris is not just football like i do i make mm. videos for a living but uh, you know a huge owner for me has been football and, and so i've been sl- feeling slightly left out of the euros because i've not really felt all that into it and i think the trend this euros is to be, to be the person who was there but not necessarily the one who was saying the right information so you know stan Collymore. um There have been a number of... There have been some guys who have done some good work. Don't get me wrong. You know, I I love reading the Jonathan Wilsons out there who can get the overarching narrative or at least help to sculpt that. And what I am most fascinated about is we do TFR Live. So we do the Football Republic Live with the games. And kids call in and they say... And I'll say, what do you want to talk about? And so often they'll go, Roy Hodgson isn't very good. And I'll say, why? And they'll go... Oh, um, and you'll sort of think, you know what, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opinions being shaped out there by people who are literally on the ground and maybe not observing to the fullest, and they are just saying the first thing that they see, and that's shaping so much of everything else. Because it's not you know, we we think the journalists are synthesizing for us and we think they're going through all these processes before they write things on the paper. But essentially this you know, the the thing that you'll take away could be three months down the line after the tournament. Or even mm. by the time that you get to the next Copper America, that's when you're gonna make your conclusions because you're gonna have something else to compare it to. And that's why maybe Tim Vickery is so great, because Tim Vickery was around, you know, long before we were. That's not to sort of put him down, but, you know, in a sense it takes, you know, uh, you were saying you need to put your 10,000 hours in. And I know this is getting a little bit navel-gazy here. You need to put your 10,000 hours in. That doesn't mean you're not anywhere by the time you've done your 5,000 hours.
5: No, of of course not. I think the other thing as well, sometimes it can be about the platform that you have. I mean, you know, we talk in this age about having so many outlets for opinions and, and everyone can say what they think. I also think in that regard, it's easier to then collude everyone to one opinion. So like you say, for example, with TFR, people ring in and say, Roy Hodgson isn't very good. When you're surmising an opinion in 140 characters, it can be hard to be actually well-rounded and even deep with it because, uh, again, it's 140 characters. It's maybe two sentences if you, if you time your wording right and, and get everything compact. Mm. I think that's the the other thing as well is, you know, as you say, it's it's it sometimes can feel as if it's the wrong people in the right place, and you don't want to sound narcissistic when you say it because again, we're we're all an industry trying to fight for that spot. Well. But I think that's the other issue as well. If if you don't feel like you're interacting with the people in your industry, that can be quite a lonely position as well. Sometimes that can be beneficial. I think it can. Can help you refine your opinion yeah, and actually environment, test your opinions. Yeah, exactly.
1: It gives you it gives you a, a reflection, essentially. Yeah,
5: mm. but but then I also think you can learn great things. So there's a, a guy who works um, in Philadelphia called Jonathan Tannerwald, and uh, I'll be surprised if if a large majority of our listeners know him, which is to say that I think he's also chronically underrated, because I've been lucky enough now to sit with him a few times and, and talk. Um, soccer in the U.S. and and the CONCACAF region as a whole, and and even dabble in Copper America. And he's so insightful, and he doesn't just tell you the story as it happens. He tells you sort of the the tributaries that that flow into the the bigger lake in that regard. Mm-hmm. And he is a wonderful storyteller as well. He has a great knack for for doing that. And I think you know, it, it's I think it's the same way that that people go on these gap years after university to to quote unquote find themselves when you go abroad completely out of what is your comfort zone which for me is is england into a city like new york where i've never covered football before i've been to a red bulls game a, a new york city fc game but again that's in the wheelhouse of mls that's that's something i know and i feel comfortable in you are going to experience difficulties you're going to experience things that, that change your perception and I would like to think that when I touch down in England next month I will be better informed for it I'll have a better understanding I'll be able to draw more parallels between say the way that Roy Hodgson plays and the way that Dunga plays and the this, the difficulties they both face and and the similarities and things like that so it's mm. It is a good experience. I must admit, it, it's ultimately a positive one.
1: Who have you been enjoying reading during the uh, during this tournament? And obviously, Euros and Copper America. Is there, if there's anyone you can recommend that you think gives a good overview or has definitely kept you informed because you're not in Europe for this tournament? Who would you go for?
5: I think for, for Copper America, Tim Vickery has has again. He's really just hit the nail on the head. His pieces have been a mixture of single story arcs where he talks about one team and then also these more modern styled little point pieces where it's for example a semi-final with the three things he thinks will will decide the respective semi-finals Mm. for the Euros again I would touch on Miguel and say that he wrote a really nice thing about Iniesta Um, again the Euros I think it's been a bit more difficult for me I don't know if it's geographic possibly not because I am on Twitter as well. There's nothing that that's caught my eye consistently, um, is what I would say, for, from the Euro perspective. Now that could largely be because I'm dialed into Copper America for the most part and focusing on that. Um, but but I think yeah, there, there there isn't anything. I mean, I don't know about you, but my Euro experience honestly has been diving into the lesser the less heralded teams. so I found immense pleasure reading about Slovakia and, and Russia and writing about them mm. it, it wasn't entirely in Spain even, even when I did look at the big teams like Spain for example I looked at them in isolation of how were they playing to Alvaro Morata it wasn't anything wider reaching I wasn't really focusing on the, the Pedro situation it was all just the, the best example I can draw is it's kind of like tapas for me <laughs> in the sense that, like, I'm just grabbing little yeah. bits of things. It's, oh,
2: not,
5: it's not one big meal in that sense. I'm, I'm going for lots of little different things and receiving chronic abuse for the fact that i predicted Wales would finish bottom of their group. I, I mean, I
1: guess that's part of it, isn't it, is that you can... I mean, you know, we, we've obviously found the merits of having you on the podcast because you can cover so many different subjects and you're talking to a lot of different people, but it also means that, you know, sometimes you will... Someone will come along who has more knowledge of something and sort of go well i've got even more to add or why the hell are you talking about whales in that way or whatever it is i guess that's part of the problem Mm. with the internet now is there yeah i guess that's it is actually people need to see the perspective from which you're coming and i think it's fascinating you know it's been very interesting to talk to you on this podcast especially during the euros and the copper because there aren't many people insightful like you um i'm the thing i'm most interested in though chris is what the crep game is like in new york
5: It's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, again, we've had this debate, you and I, many a time Mm. in terms of you are dialed in on that and where, for me, it's, for me, it's, it's a casual observer at best who picks something up and says, oh, that looks nice. or that doesn't look nice. And and there's no greater understanding. I find it, it is art. That's, that's the best way I can put it. So you have Flight Club, which is on, I want to say 11th Street. Mm Mm-hmm. It seems about right.
1: Everyone, pretty Um, much everyone, if if you're interested in trainers, and that's what crepes mm are, you probably know that, um, then uh, you will know what flight club is.
5: And, you know, you go in there and if I can compare it to, like, say, JD Sports in in England, (laughs) the the way everything is presented is so differently. Now, it's everything to the fact that the shoes are wrapped up in cellophane. Yeah, I do find that very
1: weird. It's...
5: In some sense, I can see it makes total sense because, again, these shoes are largely more expensive than they would be because it's the notion of, you know, buying like a malt whiskey, I guess. This shoe is from 07 and you can't get it anymore and it's it's tapping into that kind of market. But then, you know, it's everything down to like the exposed brickwork, the fact that they have some art on the walls in the, the other half of the store, the really expensive stuff is behind a glass case mm-hmm. that you can walk around. It's, it is all very enticing because I remember when I lived in London with you for a bit, you know, we would talk about buying trainers and I would really scoff at the prices and be like anything over 60 quid was this exorbitant waste of money for something that was just going to get dirty on your feet. I'm looking at these trainers now and I've already bought a pair that I think were about 145. Dollars. Um yeah, dollars with with tax uh, included. You've changed. I know, it's it's that notion of it's the way something is presented to you, I think, is the important thing. And it's they're presented to you in such a way that you're kinda of left thinking, No, this is This is definitely this worth one hundred and forty five dollars. Yeah. It's something you can invest in. It's it's not you know, it is it is something it's it's a notion that and this will be a very niche reference, Gok Wan once made that if you pay £100 or something and you wear it 100 times, you've only paid a pound to wear each time. Yeah. So if you wear these trainers 50, 100 times, you've only paid £2 a time to wear them, which doesn't sound that bad when you think about it like that. I mean, you, I mean, I mean my yeah. debit card disagrees. But.
1: I mean, yeah, ultimately, you know, you, people, people pay for coffee, those sort of things, um, and they will drink it. I, I will drink coffee very, very quickly. Um, and they won't appreciate it in that time. But then, yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. Who is the, who's the best styled player in the tournament? I mean, you know, you, you sort of get to see the players as they walk out through the mix zone. Sometimes you will even get to go into the dressing room. Who's been the best styled guy? Uh,
5: I was quite get, impressed uh,
1: the, with Frank Lampard. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Frank is sort of... Frank's a bit like a fine wine, isn't he? He sort of gets better with age, so I'm told.
5: He does, and... Um... His cousin Jamie Redknapp was in attendance at uh, at the game against Philadelphia as well. You see them side um, by side. Th- to be fair, they, they both look quite sharp. Um, and you know, I, th- that's the thing about Lampard in general. I think he's starting to. I think finally he's starting to settle here now. It's it's taken a while. I think you just see it though in the way he interacts with the media and the fact that he he has a joke with them. And again, it's a cultural thing of. I don't think he'll ever get asked a really difficult question or a divisive question or a question that could be misinterpreted as in the way that maybe used to happen in England. It could also be that he's in his late thirties. So he's that media trained and that comfortable with himself. He's never flapped, flapped anyway. Mm. But I just found it interesting watching him with the media scrum on Saturday and seeing how relaxed he was about the whole situation and, how willing he was to have a joke and, and handle what was a difficult situation which was essentially him and David V had an argument on the field which was largely David V shouting at him and pointing at him on where things had gone wrong for them to concede two goals. But I think he he's just seems relaxed. He just seems comfortable.
1: Mm. Uh, and that's kind of nice. It's especially nice to see someone sort of in a new environment, isn't it? It is. I mean,
5: He'll struggle to to win over every fan at that club because for a large portion he was seen as unprofessional and someone who put them on the back burner. I completely see why those fans think that. I think they have a valid case for thinking that um, because he he did choose Manchester City over them when he had been the marquee sign, the first guy through the door, so to speak. Will he ever win those guys? Probably not. I I don't think he will. There's part of me, without wishing to sound like I'm throwing him under the bus, that thinks he doesn't really care. I think he's he's more focused on what he can do on the field rather than going out and trying to to win friends. I think he knows himself. If they win an MLS Cup this season, if they go even remotely far and make the playoffs, he'll win fans that way. And it is it's it's difficult not to like the guy because he he does seem like a very genuine person, mm. um, even if he does struggle with this perception in New York of of being slightly unprofessional.
1: Prediction for the game? Oh, don't make a prediction because that's thats horrible. I know we said this yesterday, um, head says Argentina, heart says USA, doesn't it? It's that simple really.
5: It does, but you know, it's interesting you talk about making predictions. I think that in itself, you know, again, I guess it's part of the business and it's funny that uh, today was Skip Bayless's last day with first take. Um... And so everyone on social media and and even actually on the show themselves kind of tried out his predictions that were less than impressive, like Johnny Manziel being bigger than LeBron and uh, Cleveland and Tim Tebow and all those kind of things. And I'm not looking to defend Skip Bayless. I think he serves a role in sports media. It's maybe not the role that I want to serve. That's fine. We can coexist in that sense. I do think the notion of, of snapshot predictions as well it's it's largely redundant and I say that because if, if I take the, the England group as a great example so I predicted Russia to come second I predicted it I think just before Zagorov was out just before Denisov was out um, again after the Slovakia uh, before any games had even kicked off anything like that and I, I appreciate why Wales fans for the most part came at me and you know said I was an idiot and all this kind of thing and and laughed at the prediction again it's it's a snapshot response in like two minutes based on the information you have at hand it's it it is a very crude science in that regard um it's not really i I mean in that sense it's not
1: really a science is it it's just it's more of a sort of prediction and and if anything it's sort of it's almost wrong that you're then held to that because you're not it's very difficult for you to kind of go, okay, well, uh, I think it's going to be, the, the goal is going to be scored in this minute, this minute. It's more predicting trends and it's more of a sort of a, uh, well, it'll probably, you know, if the team play to their full potential, then it can go like this.
5: Exactly. It's 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 ifs, buts and, and a lot of speculation. I think, you know, I was talking to, to someone yesterday about this and I was saying, I think, ask me after 10 minutes and, yeah. the, and then let me predict something. As much to say that, once once the, the figurative chess game has begun, I can give you a better read on things. And then if I'm drastically wrong, fair enough, read me out. I just wonder if if we need to potentially move away from the notion of okay, the groups kick off in eight days' time. Tell us exactly how every single game is going to go. Well, I mean, that,
1: that is essentially it, though, isn't it? Is that people, um, you know, they they want... Uh, essentially, they want that vindication of I was right or they want... What they essentially want is one thing to be able to drop in to a conversation and say, well, you know, Slovakia have got this or this or this or this and have a little bit more of an idea of the men that are playing out on the pitch. I guess that's that's part of it. Uh, and to some extent, I still don't know if the media's nailed that. Um... Chris, thank you very much for joining us on TF3. Uh, if people want to go find you, it's at K Hennage, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E.
5: It is indeed, and Facebook as well. Um, oh yeah, of course. That's, yeah. that's one that we're trying to expand because I think uh, I've got at least one or two more Facebook lives before the end of Cup of America and then next season I think I'll be doing them semi-regularly with, with Major League Soccer and the Premier League and such because if there's one thing I think as well, this tournament's taught me doing Facebook Live is it's a really good way to to interact. um, And I would imagine it will likely permeate its way into TF3 at some point.
1: Certainly so. Uh, If if, if anyone is to be listened to behind the scenes, it's Dave and Chris. uh, And those two do not stop bloody talking about Facebook Live. Um, Yes, we'll see you again real soon on TF3, Chris
0: thank you so much for listening to The Front 3 uh, Lawrence Dave it's been a pleasure for now where can the good people find us on the Twitters mm.
1: Twitters uh, Front 3 that's The, face the face? Front 3 F-R-O-N-T numeral three
3: um, and also
0: on Facebook The Front 3 I forgot about that we'll and also spell Reddit
1: out. apparently Reddit's good
0: yes do need to get over to Reddit go and check it out um, guys been a pleasure thank you so much for listening enjoy tomorrow's games and we'll speak to you then Bye. Goodbye. Au revoir. Means goodbye, but in French. <sighs> that means
1: goodbye, but in French. Uh, Are That means goodbye, but in another language. Mario
4: Gomez
1: That means say goodbye I'm going to score a load of goals on you